0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Duct Given and we are joined by a very special guest this week. We are not currently joined by Daniel Norcross, who. I mean god knows it's a question as old as time itself where is daniel norcross and more to the point does anybody care where daniel norcross is we certainly don't so we're going to start without him i'm joined as ever by mr stephen finn and i'm joined by one of the other brilliant captains in the county game at the moment in the form of mr tim Murta. tim how are you doing mate
1: i'm good thanks how are you guys
3: yeah very well thank you very well it's nice to see you two reunited how long did you two play alongside one another before finney uh finney got headhunted slash (laughs) released
1: um must have been like 14 years or something like that i joined middlesex in 2007 finney was there the year before weren't he so um yeah good 14 15 years Mm, a long time and you're First impressions
3: of young whippersnapper Stephen Finn in 2007. What was he then about? Were you 19,
0: Finney? I'd have been 17, going on 18 then, yeah.
1: 17, just an absolute bean pole, nothing to him. <laughs> Shocking haircut. Couldn't drink. Uh, yeah, could actually bowl back in those days as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my that was my initial impressions of it. That that's that's kind of you. Basically, Finny, as your hair's
3: got better, your bowling's got worse. I think that's the key.
0: I think yeah, well, I probably need to go for the dodgy old school bowl cut um, with the with the bit that hangs in between your ears and your neck. Like, that was you know, at
1: the, the start, yeah.
0: Well, that's that's what I did, and then I'd have to correct my hair every ball when I was bowling. Um, and I used to bowl quick and take wickets all the time. Yeah, and Christ knows what's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: we'll come to both your bowling statistics a bit later on. Um, and then, Finney, your first impressions of Tim Murtle when he bowled into that Middlesex changing room?
0: Well, first of all, I was like, this bloke's come here to take my job. Great. And then he he was a batting... A, no, a bowling all-rounder, a genuine all-rounder, when he first came. So would have averaged... What, just over 30 with the ball and mid30s with the bat or just over 30 with the bat. Um, and then it's just it's just well known now that as Tim's bowling got better, his batting got progressively worse. Um, and now it's at a point where he could possibly be the worst batter in the domestic game um, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get to bowl at him last week which is an absolute hammer blow as well actually because we were both desperate to have bragging rights to hit each other for
1: six. yeah, six. yeah because you'd gone none for 90 and you didn't, want, you didn't want to go none for 100 so he was hiding out the boundary oh, somewhere no. just hoping the captain didn't see him
3: <laughs> I mean, that this is part of the reason that we've got you on, Tim, because you've captained Middlesex uh, against Sussex recently. Finney had a bit of an ordeal captaining Sussex recently. So let's get straight into this game. So Finney's return to Middlesex, a, a Middlesex legend. And he returns to his old stomping ground. He returns to Middlesex with a Sussex team. And you go out, Tim Murta, as captain, for the toss on what is now been proven by statistics to be the hottest day in recorded UK history. It wasn't just hot, it was it was a heat we'd never seen before in this country. And you won the toss and you decided as a bowler,
1: yeah, I think we'll have a bowl, lads. What, talk me through the thought process, Tim it's an obvious thing to do isn't it like you don't want your batters just out there in the heat you want to all get out there and (laughs) and sample it for yourself um yeah that was possibly one of the worst decisions in my life um after getting married i mean (laughs) (laughs) it was a wicket that started a bit green the day before and then the coin went up and i was desperate not to win it because i didn't really want to bowl first but kind of felt it was our best way of winning the game. And then sort of Pajara's face just looked absolutely devastated when he saw that I'd won the toss. He was like, oh, And then I've kind of looked at him, shook him by the hand, gone, oh, we'll have a bowl. And his face just like, <laughs> just like, brightened, brightened. He couldn't believe his luck. Um, sure enough, he went on to get 200. Yeah, so it's, yeah, the boys have been calling me Nasser Hussein for the last week in the dressing room, (laughs) um, which I didn't take too kindly to begin with. But, you know, we all make mistakes.
3: I mean, initially, to be fair to you, looked like a genius decision. You've taken an early wicket. They're 18 for one. um, And, you know, you bowled nicely, two for 80 off your 32. 99 for two, not the end of the world. 318 for free. I think that's really where the wheels <laughs> start to come off and then 523 all out. Now, although it would be easy to sit here and just mock you, Tim, um, this we should return to Finney at this point, who mid-game was made Sussex captain due to an injury to their captain, um, who's hopefully going to be back soon after breaking his hand during the game. And Finney, you captained and you watched Leicestershire, <laughs> Leicestershire on 756 for four. So, Tim, suddenly, next to Finney, you're looking like Mike Brearley here. <laughs> <laughs> At least yeah. to be fair to you, Finney, you weren't involved with the toss decision. This was thrust upon you.
0: It, it was thrust upon me, and I actually took wickets that week as well. So, yeah, that was um, that was a strange out-of-body experience that I hadn't experienced for a while. Um, yeah, the the chasing your tail, it's a horrible feeling, especially when you just resign to the fact that you're waiting for a declaration and everything's in their hands. That was um that was not a pleasant couple of hours. But you know, marshalled the troops, got us through and um and and made us strong to come and draw with Middlesex the following week. It was the mental resolve that we showed <laughs> in that seven hundred and fifty that meant that we uh, that we saved the game against Middlesex. Well, you mentioned
3: that you took a couple of wickets there, Finney. So it was three actually. Free wickets, which let's the way your your season's going this season, Finney, it might as well be 23.
0: That was uh, 40% of the wickets I've taken this season, yeah.
3: (laughs) So, Tim, I mean, Finney has been coming on this podcast every single week and he's been moaning and whinging about basically the groundsman's revenge, he's calling it, because after the England team went down to Australia and got absolutely battered, everybody blamed these wet green pitches over the last few seasons that you have enjoyed bowling on very, very much over the years and probably very appreciated. Um, but 19 wickets at
1: 34, Tim, which in this summer, that's not too bad. Uh, all I can say is I'm glad the wickets are only like that this year. It's it's pushing me closer to retirement than I've than I've ever been before. But you're right, you know, something about this season, the pitches have been pretty dry, pretty batsman friendly. I guess this is this is baseball and what they, what they want to play in the future. And if that's the case, I want nothing to do with it. And I'll get out as soon as I can. So, yeah, no, I think especially fair play to Finney, like down at Sussex, they've probably been the best wickets in the whole country. I don't think anyone can argue with that. So when I kind of said to him in the winter, I think it'd be a good place for him to go and play. Um, I didn't realise I didn't realise the wickets were going to be as flat as they have been this year so he's probably regretting that decision
0: the groundsman must have listened to me on TMS slagging off county wickets all winter (laughs) and he's thought fuck this bloke I'm going to make this bloke I'm going to finish this bloke's career and to be fair he almost has done because I literally I've not been able to walk since the Middlesex game I've not been able to walk because there's something wrong with my knee and I went into one of the, the MRI scanner yesterday And I'm still waiting for the results. And hopefully, it's not one of those broken ones that comes back and says nothing's wrong. Um, (laughs) That Mertz knows that I've been in quite a few times in my career. Um, But this does feel like a genuine injury, which is very annoying. Um, And I blame the groundsman.
3: Well, you've been really, you were really missold the deal at Sussex, Finney, because you were meant to go down there on a nice seaming wicket, sharing a ball with Ollie Robinson and Joffrey Archer. You've not seen them. And, and instead, you've been thrust into captain against Leicestershire and watched them pile on 750. This, you've been absolutely missold, this.
0: I'm in the record books. That's all that matters. I think they, the highest partnership ever for Leicestershire against Sussex is now 477. So I'm in the record books. I played a part in writing history here at Hove, and that's all, what I'm all about, you know.
3: <laughs> now, Tim, before you were coming on this podcast, I messaged Finney and I said, you know, is there anything in particular? that I should ask you about. And uh, Finney, first of all, wants to talk about your batting and more specifically your batting with Steve and Finn. So there's a bit of a gentleman's, uh, a gentleman's wager going on this season about who's going to score more runs. And it's tight between you two at the minute. But when you used to share a dressing room, according to Finney, you two had an amazing ability to run one another
1: out. Now, what was, <laughs> what was going on there? What was happening? <clears throat> It was it was usually one of us not wanting to get down the end of the fast bowler and get down the other end of the spinner. To be honest, so we'd end up butchering each other and I uh, ending up sort of in the middle of the pitch just having a conversation, just going, "Oh, you know, which one's it going to be this time? Who gets out?" Um, so yeah, I think that was that was probably more the kind of fear factor of facing Fidel Edwards or whoever it was, Tino Best who was bowling that time down at Hampshire. <laughs> there was
0: so there's uh, Hampshire. Uh, we must have been on 296 or something going and try looking for a batting point. And at the time, we'd had team meetings about how the lower order needed to take more responsibility. And when we got close to a batting point, not just play big shots, but try and tap your way there and, and you know do it in singles and do it responsibly. So Me and Mertz are batting together, numbers 10 and 11 at Hampshire. And I think Fidel Edwards is bowling the speed of light. And Mertz Mertz hits one out to deep cover and he runs past me and he goes, you go dog. Like (laughs) that. So we moved to 297. And then I think I got an inside edge on a bouncer or something up into my ribs and I ran past him. I went. No, you go, dog.
1: <laughs> it was a classic case of leaving it to each other, wouldn't it? <laughs> and
0: to be fair, we ended up getting the point. But Christ, that was hard to go against <laughs> your natural instincts of backing away and trying to slog one instead of staying in line.
3: <laughs> I, I always think that, right? Because whenever I watch as a fan on TV and I watch the Batsman, you know, we talked about that ridiculous Leicestershire partnership. In between every over, they punch gloves and they have a chat. And I'm like, when you've been batting for 60, 70 overs, not that you two would know what that feels like. There's only so many cliches you can say in between overs. There must just be. We always watch as fans thinking, wow, they're probably having a really in-depth, sensible cricket chat here. But I bet you must chat. It's good mates sure, like yourself, you must chat some bollocks to one another in between overs.
0: We'd always tell each other to play certain shots. So we'd go... We'd go, Mercer, I bet you can't go inside out over extra for six. <laughs> and, and I'd try and do it. And to be fair, once I reckon I did it off Mason Crane. did it to Mason
1: Crane, yeah. yeah.
0: And then I'd say, oh, I bet you can't sweep this one for six. And he'd try and sweep it for six. <laughs> it was, honestly, the, the batters would come out like we'd go into the dressing room and be laughing about it because we had some good partnerships together and the lower order would always just have fun when we battered together. But the, the batsmen just couldn't get their heads around the fact that we'd be out there, like, egging each other on to play certain shots or, like, play a big player and miss at one. And actually, the, there was an over, I think, Mertz was batting at the other end and there's a guy called <laughs> Hugh Waters batting. Oh, I remember and, this. <laughs> and, and he bowled big out swingers and he was bowling at the nursery end at Lord's and I was batting at the pavilion end. And I played and missed at the first ball. I came down, and I was like, oh, Mertz, yeah, that swung a bit. He was like, yeah, yeah, that swung a bit, Yeah. Tap my gloves, next ball, player miss. Mertz came down and was like, Shot boy, play, mate. <laughs> Is another player miss. I played and missed at five in a row. And then every time Mertz would come down, he'd be like, Shot boy, you're getting closer, you're getting closer. <laughs> And then and then the sixth one, I nicked it straight to second slip. I just looked at Mertz and he was like, I told you you're getting closer.
1: I was absolutely wetting myself down the other end. I was walking down going, I don't know what to say here. Like, maybe just like, give him my bat as well, stick them both together and he might hit one.
3: I mean, it's very easy to mock both of your batting, but we are talking to two chaps with test 50s here let let there's let's not in the world admittedly tim did it in one of his free test matches and finney had a few more goes at it uh, t- <laughs> tim in that brief test career that you had where does that test 50 rank in your favorite moments of your career
1: oh much higher than my five for at lords against england it's just <laughs> it's just i quite quite often sat in the dressing room and there's probably two or three other guys middle sets who've got test 50s and i would sort of sit down in a meeting we'll be discussing where the batting had gone wrong today and i'd be there I'd be like yeah you know well there's only three of us that got test 50s in this room so I mean, like, <laughs> we can probably talk you through what's gone wrong here and just like the lads <laughs> sick, lads are sick and sick and tired of hearing about it i mean admittedly mine was against afghanistan which is probably not the strongest of uh, test teams you could play but um I always say it was in India as well and against Rashi Khan. So I say, well, you know, it's, you know, against the, the best leg spinner in the world currently uh, in India. So, yeah, that's that's far more, you know, higher up in my agenda than than the five against England. It, it's true because ever since we started this podcast, Finney,
3: you've talked about your 50 way more than you've ever talked about any of your wickets or any of your bowling performances. Bowlers love scoring runs because they love sticking two fingers up to the batsmen who obviously think they're God's gift. I remember I once played a charity game with Paul Nixon. And, it, you know, he had that amazing World Cup campaign with the England team and that late sort of swan song career and stuff. All he gave a shit about was that he took a first-class wicket. It's his favourite thing in his career. was, I think when cricketers do things they're not expected to do is definitely their favourite part. Finley, didn't you immediately get sponsored by some uh, solicitors when you scored that 50 and then get a pair in the next Test match?
0: <laughs> Uh yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I um no, I, I actually scored twenty in the next test match and then the third test match I got um I got a pair. I also got a, a bat deal with Woodworm that year as well. And they actually paid me money to use their kit for twelve months. It was a twenty-four month contract, and at the end of the twelve months they were like, No, we're not we're not gonna activate the second year, mate. You're all good. <laughs> yeah.
1: How many how many bat suppliers have you used? You've been an absolute bat whore throughout the years.
0: Well, we're not we're not all loyal like you. What have you had? You've had Hunts <laughs> County and then Hunt. CP. That's it. Yeah, uh, that's
1: it. Yeah, yeah. very yeah,
0: loyal. I've um, I've ticked a few off the list. Yeah.
3: Well, Finney's joined the best of the lot now with his Woodstock bat, the greatest uh, greatest bat in, on the planet, of course. Yeah. Well, I'll tell
0: you what, they were like barn doors the other day at Lord's. Oh,
1: God. That was, <laughs> that was frustrating watching you just block the shit out of it.
0: There was no way I was letting myself get out in that situation. And, you know, I got a bruise on my ribs earlier in the year, Toby. Oh, yeah. I got another Ooh. one. That's the exact It's not as bad. Same. No, it's exact same. not as bad. Who, yeah, no. Who was that? Helmy. me. Oh, he got me uh,
1: oh good, good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad there was a bit of pain to go, to go with it <laughs> and
3: Tim obviously you know this is now a Finneyless Middlesex dressing room what, what how I'd imagine and I you know you obviously know Stephen Finn much better than I do I've got to know him a little bit over the last year or so but I'd imagine it's a much happier less grumpy place with Finny not in that Middlesex dressing room
1: <laughs> no to be fair you know we miss him a lot you know I think most of the guys are still in touch with him and he's He's he still socializes with a lot of them. Um and what was really great when he came out to Batter Lords, I thought he got a really good reception. Like it was a a proper nice reception from the Middlesex faithful, which you know he he deserved. And that was that was really nice to see actually. And that'll be the that'll be the only serious thing that I'll say <laughs> for the rest of the evening. Don't worry. Um but we do miss him. He was a big character. He's been there, as I said, since 2006 So he was kind of part of the furniture and you know, it's a sad day sort of when he moved on. But that kind of happens in professional sport. You kind of, your mates move on to other teams and you kind of have to get on with it and, and get on with, with life, so to
3: speak. But well, do you guys, you know, Finny, like when you get off the pitch with Sussex, do you immediately, do you check the Middlesex scorecard? Do you always keep an eye out for their scorecard? Or do you look around the county games and look and see how your mates are getting on?
0: Yeah, I think when you've, I think it's a bit different like it's a unique situation I played for Middlesex for 17 years and have moved away in the twilight of my career so like there are very big bonds there that I've got with people and people that I care about and that are my closest friends so I'm I'm lucky enough to be godfather to Tim's eldest son Jack so there are there are like links and connections all over the place so even today whilst I've been lying on my sofa here resting my knee I've been flicking between the Sussex match and the Middlesex match in Durham on the YouTube channel on my TV so you you've always have a vested interest in people that you've played with but even more so when they're your closest mate so um, yeah I'll, I'll always keep an eye on the Middlesex scores um, but also if I'm in a position to try and help Sussex win or draw a game against Middlesex I'll be um, I'll be trying my hardest for them. <laughs>
3: Now, there's one story, Tim, you've actually popped up on the podcast. I think Finney's mentioned you a few times, but there's one story that sticks out in particular. Now, Finney, you'll have to jog Mertz's memory. I'm sure he doesn't need it jogging. So I think it was a pre-season game and you were playing Loughborough University and two students wandered out onto the outfield. Oxford Oxford University. University. Two students wandered out onto the outfield and started getting a bit amorous in the middle of the game. Is that (laughs) right, Tim? I want to hear it from your point of view.
1: That was right. That was bizarre. I think there were a couple of things that happened in that week. Like those two just walked on. They had no idea. They were off their heads on God knows what. Um, just lay down with their like, little picnic blanket and, yeah, just started canoodling, uh, as, <laughs> as, as the youngsters would say these days, on the pitch, <laughs> which was bizarre. And then there was another bloke. Do you remember? I don't know if it was the same game. Uh, another bloke just wandered across the field and I was bowling and I was like, "Who's this cowboy?" So I just like, I was like, "Mate, do you wanna have a do you want to have a bowl?" This was the first In a first-class so game, a first-class <laughs> game. I've, I've lobbed him the ball. I said, "Come on, mate, have a bowl." So the, the batsman's taken strike at the other end, and he's like, he's no idea what he's doing. He's run up a few paces and actually bowled a ball on the pitch. And the umpires were just, you know, they were having kittens. They didn't know what to do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, some, some student who was still on a high, I think, from the night before, uh, actually bowled a ball in the first fast game though.
0: The fella got out that over, didn't he? The, the, you left yeah. the bloke off that over, and that was the fella that had got stuck into me when I <laughs> was batting. This, like This student literally walked down at me in the first innings. I ended up getting 40-odd, but we were in big trouble. He bowled like Glenn McGrath, this boat. And he came down when I walked into bat, and he went, this fucking bloke doesn't want to be here. Look at him. He doesn't fucking want to be here. I was like, this is a friendly student game, like, I'm getting <laughs> sledged by a fucking 19-year-old geeky student. Um, and and yeah, and then got in trouble with with the umpires when Mertz nicked him off that over. I gave him a big send off. Said, "Fuck off, back to your uni books." <laughs> 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 and I got in trouble with the umpires.
1: <laughs> it happened every year. It was like, don't get wound up by the uni blokes. Don't get wound, And Then like something happens. And Finny or Toby just yeah, end up spraying some poor little eighteen-year-old student who's yeah got glasses on or whatever. <laughs> I always think those UCCe games. Whenever I'm looking at the scorecards pre-season,
3: right. Like- that must be the biggest game of their lives, right? So for you guys, it's a bit of a ball ache and a bit of a no. It's a stat buffer.
0: That's what it is. It's a stat <laughs> buffer.
3: <laughs> yeah, but then whenever I check the scorecards, nobody ever does any well in them because no, none of the pros can be asked. Whenever I look, oh, like, I
0: don't know. There's some batters who love getting their seasons off to good starts with like a hundred or a hundred and fifty against the students. Christ, we've had a few of those in our team, and over the years, like. It gets to like, usually a batter would get to 80 or we had a rule as bowlers. We were like, if you get to three fur, then you don't try and take any more wickets. You just bowl. Like you don't go hunting for wickets. You just bowl to get your overs in. But, and it should be the same for batters. A batter should be allowed to get 70 or 80 and then that's it. Seen enough. Thanks for coming. But some guys would get to 70 or 80 and just smell blood and want to get their, season off to an absolute flyer and would would try and book themselves in for 150, 160. I think Compo got a double in one of them. I reckon he got like 240 in a uni game. So before this first-class season has even started, he's on 240 (laughs)
1: runs.
0: (laughs) Uh, Now,
3: I've only met Nick Compton a few times, but that sounds like the most Nick Compton story of all time, that he would absolutely (laughs) bed in for 240 against a poor student team. Uh, Now, whilst we've been chatting about this, um, he's, he's look at him, he's not happy. Daniel Norcross has arrived. Now, Norcross, before you whinge about train journeys too much, Tim here, our esteemed guest, who you've turned up for 20 minutes, actually 38 minutes late for.
2: 38, yeah, 38. And it's a
3: record for me, yeah. He's also been on the train down from Durham, and it's been an absolute nightmare. So you've got no excuses and no sympathy. Hang on a minute, away. wait a
2: minute. Wait, uh, 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 Mertz, have you come down from Durham? I've come from Durham, yeah. Right, so you actually got a train that then got diverted. You had a seat on it, didn't you?
1: I I was going to come tomorrow, back tomorrow, and then I saw the strikes that came today and then just about to go on the train to New York to then change to King's Cross, and then they said the line shut towards King's Cross or something. There was power line failure or something. That's right, yeah. And then, and then had then- to go to Sheffield, yeah, and then I ended up going to Birmingham, then yeah. changing to Moore Street, and then coming down to like Molebone that
2: way. So you were probably one of the bastards that was on the train that I was trying to get on, who had been <laughs> diverted from the Northeast. This was my problem. It was all you lot fleeing from the Northeast, man. I couldn't get on a fucking train. <laughs> Absolute fucking nightmare. I beat the system today because I, I, because I got to Birmingham New Street Station which nobody else had done. They were just waiting like lemmings on a platform for a train they couldn't get on. They were hurling themselves onto an impossible train. It was, it, it was a little bit alarming. There was just like an entire platform full of desperate people trying to get on a train. And I thought, do you know what? You're not thinking outside the box. You're trying to get to London from Derby, but you're not thinking about Birmingham. So I skipped over onto platform two, took the train that was going to Plymouth, Got to Birmingham New Street feeling fantastic. I had my like, you know, silent movie moustache villain, twiddle, 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 twiddle. I've fucking nailed you twat. You've, you've not worked this out. <laughs> Get to Birmingham New Street. The only train that was on time that day was the, 10, the 12.10 to London. And I arrived in at Birmingham New Street at 12.11. So I thought oh, I can suck that up. I sat outside. With the taxi cabs, so I was listening to Surrey struggling slightly against Warwickshire, if truth be told, and uh, having a couple of fags, reading the reading the Twitter, reading the paper, then suddenly all these people start arriving. I think, oh, I've never seen a taxi rank so full, and it took about five minutes for me to register that something was genuinely up. Largely, it was a, like <laughs> noise that kept on, but I thought that's you know that's just Birmingham. Isn't it <laughs> turned out. Birmingham New Street station had been evacuated for a fire alarm that no one knew where it originated from. Then you're in trouble, aren't you? What what would you do, Mertz?
1: Well, that's I walked over to Moore Street Station. And you and went then, the slow way. So I got into Birmingham New Street mm. and I thought they said, Oh, there's a train to Euston, but I was like, I'd live out sort of sort of northwest anyway, sort of on the Marlebone line. I thought. Right, I go to Moore Street and I can get a train, the Marlborough train down to High Wickham and then change there to get that to Gerrard's
2: Cross. That is a massive lack of ambition. <laughs> I, I I took the cab, I took a cab to Birmingham International while watching all these further lemmings staying on the side of the street going, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? We've got to think fast, we've got to think on our feet because it's so important that I get back so have an extra half an hour to just lie on the sofa while going how much I hate trains at home rather than on a train, that I got cab to Burby International. I got a diverted train, voom, into Euston. I was only three and a half hours late. Absolutely made it. So how long did your whole trip take you then? About six hours. Yeah, same. <laughs> fucking Derby. So yeah,
1: I did, I did six hours from Durham. So yeah, suck on that. <laughs> yeah, I am sucking on that. I'm sucking on that big time.
3: <laughs> Tim, Tim just gets on with it. No complaining. You live tweeted your entire ordeal, Dad. I was trying to. I was trying to follow the football, and I kept getting suggested more of your bloody train tweets. If if you want to relive this entire story, Daniel Norcross literally live tweeted every single step of the way on his Twitter. So Not every that,
2: single step of the day.
3: Wait, most of my infuriation, Toby, before you turned up. We were chatting, uh, we're actually chatting about uh, the season so far. We've talked about Tim and Finney's uh, interesting captaincy techniques over the last few weeks. There is another county cricket story from the week that I want to get Finney and Tim's reaction to. And that is this ridiculous Sam Northeast innings. So if you thought you had a nightmare bowling at Leicestershire and Tim, you thought you had a nightmare bowling at Sussex the other day, it could be worse because Sam Northeast scored 410 unbeaten, unbeaten for Glamorgan. Um, I mean, it's just obscene. only hit three sixes as well. And I read an interview of him. You can only say arrogant lines like this after you've just scored 400. He said, weirdly, I was more nervous in the 190s than I was in the 390s. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most arrogant, humble brag I've ever heard in my life. Tim, you must have, you know, bowled at him thousands of times over the years yeah. county cricket but even he's a great player but that's some knock isn't it
1: he's he's a very good player but you know not the kind of player that you'd put in the 400 bracket to be honest <laughs> um he's probably scored more runs in that innings than me and finney have done in the last three years to be yeah <laughs> um yeah he is a good player and like you know fair play to him that's that's a massive effort it doesn't no matter what the wicket's like, what the bowl is like, it's, you know, incredible effort to what's that, put him in the top 10 of scores of all time or something? And- put it, to put it into context,
2: it's, I think he's top nine, but he is the second highest scoring Englishman of all time. Uh, Archie McLaren, as you know, I know every first-class cricketer is brought up on this stat. Finney will know, Mertz will know. Archie McLaren's famous 424 against Somerset at Taunton in 1895.
0: Remember it well.
2: That's, that's, the, that's the marker that both of you have been trying to reach throughout your career. <laughs>
0: and... With the ball, maybe, not the ball.
2: <laughs> but really, to God, I thought it, it was on. It was so on. It was unbelievable. It was overnight. It was 308 not out. you got 102 in the lunchtime session. It's a complete road, right? And outrageously, they declare on him on 410. To do what? To win a game of cricket. Who gives a shit? about another game of first-class cricket in the second division. Sorry, lads. But, do you know what I mean? I mean, if Glamorgan win, if Glamorgan draw, who gives a shit? He could have got 500 that day. Most importantly, he could have got 425. And that game would have been remembered. Instead, he's destined to go down in the annals of cricket as one of the most unmemorable 400s ever hit in first-class cricket history.
3: Are you, also, you need to spare a thought for Kieran Carlson and Billy Root. Talk about Padrash. They Watched Sandoff get 410 and then when the wicket finally fell, they got nine and naught. You'd be absolutely furious, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, it's got me wondering, Finney and Tim. I'll ask you, Finney, first what's the biggest individual score that's been scored against you? What's the biggest knock against you you can
0: remember? I think Colin Ackerman's 270 odd two weeks ago was the biggest. Um, there have been a good number of doubles, um, but yeah, 270 odd was the most that I've ever had done against me, to be honest. This year. I'd like to see a stat on it or someone to do a stat, but I'd imagine there've been more double hundreds this year than there have been the last 10 combined or something, something silly like that.
3: Norcross can ask one of his geeky mates. Tim, can you remember bowling at anybody with a ridiculous score?
1: Yeah. Justin, the madman, Langer, um, got a triple hundred against us. First game of the season. It was my first game for Middlesex actually. Um, we got six. It was at Taunton against Somerset. He was playing for Somerset. Uh, we got 640 for four, declared. Thought, you know, we've done quite well there. Somerset got 850 for seven, of which <laughs> Langer Langer got 300 um, and was actually out, caught down the leg side on about seven. Not given by Fan burn Holder, who was half asleep at the bowler's end. Let it go, (laughs) Mertz. Let it go. (laughs) I can't. I was in the field for two days. I went for 150 myself. But yeah, Langer got a triple hundred that day. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest score that I've ever been involved in in a match.
2: Well, you know what they say. I mean, that's the problem with first-class cricket in England. It's, you know, in April, when it nibbles about a bit, it's like 75-mile-per-hour bowlers like Tim Mertz, who just, you know, they show... They they do well there, don't they? But how were they actually doing a shirt front in Perth? You know, in, uh, <laughs> in forty degree
1: heat, <laughs> seventy five miles an hour is generous to me there as well. Okay. <laughs> has anybody, by the way, has any has anybody
2: asked Mertz why why he left Surrey? Because I'm still outraged by this.
3: Oh, here we go. You, well, you can ask him as a Surrey as a Surrey super fan. I'm
2: I'm sure I'm sure it was actually Surrey's fault. Uh, remembering surrey at the time but i but i am still enraged by the fact that he's got nearly a thousand wickets and about 850 of them are for teams that aren't surrey i can't understand
1: why we let those fucking wickets go what (laughs) happened mertz basically i had a year left on my contract i was playing mainly white ball cricket believe it or not i've played a white ball game for years but um Alan Butcher, who was coach at the time, sort of did me a favour in a way. He sort of said, you know, I'd love you to stay and sort of be a squad player, but I think you're actually better than that. And if you went somewhere else, you'd you'd play a lot more cricket. And he was kind of looking out for me personally, rather than Surrey as a county in a way. Um, And he sort of suggested to John Embry, who was his mate at the time at Lords, that... you know, perhaps Lords might suit me better as a bowler, to be fair, than the Oval, which it which it has definitely done. So, yeah, it was sort of Alan Butcher was, you know, looking out for me as a mate rather than his own kind of job, in a way. Right, so it's him I've got to blame. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and who, who, was, who was in that Surrey
2: bowling attack at that time? You still have Bickers there.
1: Ignore or- gone, I think. Ormond was around. Yeah. Um, and then there were sort of youngsters who were playing, sort of Saker and Durnback were coming through. Youngsters? You really
2: are. You really are old, aren't you? I mean, they they've they basically retired.
1: Yeah. Jay, Jay Durnback is now my bowling coach. shows sure how old I am. Um, plus, we always played two spinners at the Oval, so there was always, you know, limited spots available. Ricky Clark was the all-rounder, Azam Mahmood. You know, they played as the all-rounder, so there was generally only space for two seamers. So I'd play sort of between four and six games a year when someone was injured or went off on England duty. And yeah, it's worked out well since I left in terms of the amount of cricket that I've played. And I probably should have gone a couple of years earlier, in fact, to be honest. So in a way, every single one of those wickets
2: are wickets that Surrey allowed you to take, which makes <laughs> me feel much better. Okay.
3: We'll, we'll have them as well. I appreciate, I appreciate the humility of it. it's gone quite well since I left. 918 first-class wickets at, at 24, Tim. Genuinely, you said earlier that these pitches this season have maybe sped up your retirement a little bit, but have you got any plans, targets? That 1,000 wicket mark must be a little bit tantalising.
1: It is, but, you know, it's. I'm in my last year in my contract. It's up to the club at the moment. Uh what we haven't had a conversation really about next season yet. So I've kind of always said that I'll keep playing as long as I'm enjoying it. I think my enjoyment levels have been slightly dampened this year, but in my head, I'm in my head I'm putting it down to a kind of anomaly of it being a really dry summer and the balls being shit. Um and everything's gonna be fine again next year, but you know who knows? It Uh, will
2: be, it uh, will be, it will be because you know what happens in English cricket that Whatever happens, if, we could, if, if bowlers take wickets and it's because the batters are rubbish and we need to make it much, much tougher for bowlers. And if bowlers go for a million runs, then we're making it too easy for the batters. So next year, there'll be a yeah. massive overcorrection. You'll be given some ball that swings like five <laughs> degrees, a, a seam that's three inches high. And every, like a tiflex, every, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every pitch will just be like covered in water and like have about 15 millimeters of grass on it. Yeah, <laughs> next year, so. next year, you'll absolutely clean up. Stick stick around for one more year, you'll take about 95 wickets next year. <laughs> all
1: right, if I if I don't, then it's all on you.
2: It, yeah, it is, <laughs> but yeah, I won't feel that bad about it because you left Surrey and took, <laughs> and took all those wickets for someone else.
3: <laughs> um, I want to ask you, Tim, out of those 918 first class wickets, have you got a favorite? Uh, There's a few to remember. It's much easier for Finney. He's only got a pick from about 25.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. You have to say, like, that test match at Lords, at, that first day at Lords was, you know, sort of what, what an experience and what a feeling, you know, finally, not finally, but getting an opportunity to play a test match at Lords right at the back end of my career. Um, and then to turn up and Have an Irish groundsman produce an absolute green top, (laughs) um, which which you got paid handsomely before that, before the week. Um, So probably those those wickets on that day meant more than you know. I guess any other any other wickets throughout my whole career, because you know the whole occasion being at Lords, being a Test match, being against England, which is bizarre enough in itself. Um, So yeah, probably those five, I'd say. I reckon
0: getting getting me out would have topped that though last week.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> if it meant we won the game as well. Getting you out LBW with a big in of the old first ball. <laughs>
0: Man, and I, I mean, saw it coming all the way. Saw it coming <laughs> all the way.
3: <laughs> well, of all the of all the many big scouts you have taken, Tim, Finney told us you also worked out how to get out the batting maestro that was Mr. Chris Martin of New Zealand. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently you've got to bowl in swingers to get him to outside edge it.
1: Yeah, because there's no point bowling an outswinger. He misses, he's a bit like Finney was in that over against Hugh Waters, just missing six in a row. Um, you've got to try and bowl for his inside, bowl for his outside edge by bowling in swingers to try and hit the outside edge. Yeah, outswing was pointless.
3: <laughs> um, and finally, the last question before we let you go, Tim. Um, Finney wanted me to ask you for all those 918 wickets. In the sort of early 2010s, whatever those years are called, um, how many of those wickets do you owe to Finney's bowling at the other end?
1: <laughs> Probably quite a few, to be fair, because he was bowling the speed of light and I could see fear and genuine fear in the batsman's eyes at the other end. Uh, and then seeing me kind of wobbling up and just putting it there on the length. Yeah, look, I know what I would have been doing if I was a batter. I'd have been trying to <laughs> whoosh against me as well. So, I'll give him credit for some of those wickets, you know, not all of them.
3: Though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because Crick Info has uh, given them to you, Tim, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm, I'm not,
2: I'm not, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until wh- wh- one last thing. because. Or well, is this
0: another fucking Surrey question or
2: something? No, no. To- to- Toby and I have, have struggled to motivate Finney to use his bat to hit a six, right? There's been loads of games this season. We've looked where he's come in. And there's been no point in him doing what he actually does, which is prod pointlessly. You know, his team's utterly screwed or they're in a perfectly reasonable position and he bats for the person at the other end, right? He's a seasoned pro now. And we're trying to get him to hit a six with the Woodstock bat that he has got in his hands. A beautiful piece of willow. What, what kind of psychological tool? You're a captain. You know, you've made some great decisions in your time. That funky... Toss bowl forty one <laughs> degrees I like that that was that was that was absolutely top 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 draw top jaw <laughs> so using using that kind of like funky wisdom that you've got and the fact that you know Finney how can you mesmerize him into actually playing an aggressive shot for once this bloody season instead of just pointlessly patting it back to the fucking bowler
1: uh I, I thought you did hit a six. Did you not
0: hit well, six against the
2: second eleven? Don't no no, no, no no,
0: I hit Lyndon James for a six. Or, oh, you did no, no you Joey did. Everson or something. I hit another no, Then you, the you got to hit the knackers. You got hit the
2: knackers next ball, and then
1: he got out in the
0: ribs. <laughs> in the ribs.
1: <laughs> he do you know what? He walked out to bat this week. I was saying earlier he got a nice reception, which was you know good to see. And I've kind of we sat round having a drink, and it's as you say, 41 degrees by this stage. It's fucking hot. And I was like, right, lads, don't want anyone to say anything to Finney because he's going to want out, want to walk out, feel comfortable, sort of be back with his mates. I was like, no one speak to him, say nothing. Everyone was like, well, all right, fine. And it took me about sort of three or four balls. I saw three or four forward defensives, and then I'm just a mid off, and then he missed one, and I was just, I couldn't help myself. I was like. His eyes have gone. His eyes have gone, boys. (laughs) Fucking eyes are gone, and everyone looked at me and was like, "I thought we weren't fucking getting stuck into it." (laughs) And then, and then I bowled him a bumper as well, which was against the kind of treaty that we'd signed before the game that we weren't going to bounce each other. So yeah, it just all went out the window when he got that yeah big forward defensive out, which was pissing us off. Something.
0: Yeah, the, the, the fast bowlers union is no longer because you, Toby, Helmy and Yadav, all of the bowlers, Bowlby bouncers in that innings, and I didn't bowl one to any of them.
1: <laughs> well, for you. You tried one to Toby and got slapped out to deep square. No, no I just didn't want to get,
0: my knee was fucking killing and I didn't want to get it boomed back past me, so I bowled it back of a length.
3: of <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously played, you know, test cricket, faced some of the most and bowlers in the world where does a Tim Murtagh bouncer rank up against all the bouncers you've faced in your time
0: well i tell you what someone did get out to a Tim Murtagh bouncer this week and he's he's not lived it down since the coach every time he's like you got bounced out by Tim Murtagh and he's like he's like yeah, I know it's bad, isn't it? And everyone's like, "Yeah, it's pretty bad, mate." <laughs> <That's laughs> you, like you can't be top edge in a pull off Matt. <laughs> he's
1: he's joined a very select list there. Yeah,
0: yeah. Out of nine hundred and eighteen, how many bouncers? Three,
1: probably about three. Craig Overton twice in a game for his debut.
2: <laughs> Was he threw the shot a bit early? <laughs> <Both times>.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, on, on that note, Tim, we'll, we'll let you go. But, mate, thank you so much for joining us. And we'd love to have you back on another time. But really appreciate it. Get some sleep.
1: Pleasure. Anytime. Nice to see you, man.
3: Cheers. Not bad, Tim. All the best. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.
1: Cheer you about. Yeah, mate. Speak to you soon. Um, Finney,
3: I'll let you return to... You were reading a good book, weren't you, before we, uh, before we interrupted you?
0: Yes, I... Um... I wanted to just try and get myself off to sleep. It's one of my methods that I'm using at the moment to just try and dampen the mind before I go to sleep is to to read a good crime novel um, and, and just zone out that way. So thank you for being so compassionate and letting me go at 11 o'clock to, to read a book like that.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. What, what, you get... what book is it?
0: It's called... Uh, <laughs> it's written by someone called Robert Galbraith. Oh, yeah. It's a pseudonym. pseudonym of JK, to J.K. Rowling. Rowling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's about very a, chat good. Call, yeah, a chat called Corma and Strike, and we're on the fourth one. So, you know, just, just oh, looking to get back to that, really.
2: Is a fourth one out? I didn't realise. Yeah, there's a
0: fourth and a fifth.
2: Yeah. Oh, Catherine will be so excited. Oh, it's so lovely you've joined the middle-aged, Finny. <laughs>
3: yeah. So we'll <laughs> let you get back to your book, Finny, and Norcross, we'll let Thank you me. get back to whatever it is. You like,
2: do. I'm really sorry I was late, by the way. But the thing was that we said that we were going to do it after the uh, women had played the semi-final of the, um, of the Euros. Yes. And you know, I've been doing a lot of women's cricket of late, and I was very invested in the women's football, and I completely forgot because I was I was doing a lot of crying and emoting with Ian Wright and kind of enjoying all the shit that came off afterwards. It was
3: well, I, I was invested in the football as well, but it finished at nine fifty two. Well, did you was, not? Was, did you not press the, the, the red 10. button? Did you not press the red button to get more? I watched the reaction. reaction, and then I remembered I had a podcast to record and a very esteemed well, guest joining us.
2: I, I'm so, I'm sorry about that, but but I'm afraid the lionesses—they they, like—they got—I like, completely forgot about it. all of you, even even Mertz, and that's odd because you know he's a genuine hero of mine, whereas you two are—you know—I love you both, don't get me wrong, but Mertz is something different. But it turns out that um, yeah, the, the lionesses—I mean, it was—it's a thing. I'm, I'm still wiping the tears off my face. I've got genuine salt tears running down my cheeks. What a thing that was!
3: It was. Well, at the time that this will go out, which will be tomorrow, so Wednesday, they'll be looking forward to the final on Sunday. So go on, Lionesses, for everyone at Zero yes. given. Um, and the yeah.
2: Commonwealth Games. Don't forget the Commonwealth Games, because our other Lionesses are about to begin their Commonwealth Games campaign on Saturday off the back of a um, phenomenal, crunching, massive defeat of South Africa, who were, uh, it has to be said, a little bit woeful. But two 17-year-olds in the team, Freya Kemp, Alice Capsey, Commonwealth Games, they could have a medal around the necks. Could be England against Australia in the final. Starts on Saturday. All done and dusted within a week. I urge you to watch.
3: Well, we'll chat more about that next week, but have a good one.
0: See ya.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sports
2: Social Podcast Network.